Conspiracy theories are most often a smokescreen to divert us from the true evil. My dad was right. This family's money is dirty. Imagination is far more fascinating than reality. Welcome to Working for Uncle Henry, Chapter 2. The weather started to make its contribution to a bona fide Christmas. The rain had stopped. The temperature was dropping. Parker checked the tension on his bike chain one last time and prayed it would last through his long journey. He suited up in the one decently warm riding suit he had and hit the road. First stop, Dahlonega, Georgia. Then on to the Archer Estate in Rolling Rivers, Virginia, to learn more about his uncle's mysterious proposition. The frigid air refreshed him, cleared his head, and opened his thoughts. Riding in the open air on his motorcycle tended to do that for him. He pushed his problems aside and reminisced on Christmas's past. Two and a half hours later, he rolled into town and stopped at the local bookstore to pick up gifts for his family. At the other end of the strip mall, a small group of protesters were circling in front of the shopping center's anchor stores. He watched them for a moment before going into the bookstore. Fortunately, he found some decent devotional books in the clearance bin that didn't max out his credit card. "'What's all the action down there about?' he asked the store clerk, pointing toward the protest. "'Bunch of church folk that don't like the department stores. No Christmas policy.' The kid at the register snorted. Parker nodded. He had a good idea who at least one of the protesters might be. Reverend Madison had a reputation of protesting and boycotting just about everything that didn't fall in line with his beliefs. Moments later, Parker leaned his motorcycle onto the little white clapboard house-lined street where he had spent the last six years of his youth. Many of the silver tin roofs were rusting around the edges and seams. Some had been replaced with shingle roofs and the clapboard replaced with vinyl siding of soft neutrals topped off with decorative entranceways, but not the Madison home. The church that stood beside it, a little farther back off the road, owned their house. The Madisons had never owned their own home, instead choosing to live in whatever their church provided. Parker purposely timed his arrival so he would only be there a few days. He wanted to stay longer and visit with his mother and siblings, David and Sarah. But there was the topic of the job he no longer had that he desperately wanted to avoid, and it was a certainty his father would turn a longer visit unpleasant. Parker and his dad had never gotten along, and the situation only worsened after Parker went away to college instead of training for the ministry. Parker felt like he had been let out of a cage when he left home, and he had no intention of ever returning, job or no job. An enveloping hug from his mother greeted him the moment he climbed off his bike. "'I'm afraid everyone else is out at the moment,' she said, taking his face in her hands as soon as he removed his helmet. "'I noticed a protest going on at the shopping center.' He raised his eyebrows. "'I don't suppose that's where they are.' They're protesting the big chain stores that refuse to say Merry Christmas. Leading the charge, I'm sure, Parker said, trying not to sound sarcastic. They stepped inside, and Parker's nostrils were filled with the scent of Mrs. Madison's cooking and a cinnamon potpourri simmering on the stove. He sighed deeply. Heaven will have to smell like this. 
He dropped his bags to the floor and cut his eyes to his mother playfully. Did you make sweet potato cobbler? I did, she replied with a wink. The artificial Christmas tree in the living room was the one his dad found on clearance after Christmas several years back. A wood-carved nativity stood under the tree, symbolizing the greatest gift of the season. That was always the focus for them. Parker placed his gifts from the bookstore beside the handful of other gifts scattered around the wooden figures. You didn't have to buy us anything, his mom said, walking up beside him. I'm sure money is tight, what with you starting out and all. Parker smiled. I didn't spend that much. Besides, it is Christmas. Well, you know, your father doesn't go in for spending much at Christmas. That's not what the holiday is about. Parker knew his father's stance on gift-giving well, but he wondered if part of the reason was because they had never been able to afford much and staunchly disapproved of being in debt. As a kid, it had been a challenge for Parker to listen to some of his friends list off all they had gotten from Santa while he only had one or two things, but as he grew older, he recognized the importance of celebrating this particular holiday for its true purpose. After Parker showered off the road film from his trip and changed into more suitable clothes, he and his mother met up with the rest of the family at the church just in time for the candlelight Christmas Eve service, something his father's churches always observed. This year, David read the usual passage from Luke 2, as Reverend Madison observed proudly. Sarah read a story to the children. Mrs. Madison played piano for the carols. It was a full family act, except for him. Parker wasn't sure if that would help his cause or cause him to be the outsider, but it was Christmas, and in spite of everything, he wanted to be with his family. To try to put his troubles of unemployment and lack of direction behind him, if just for a few days, focus on the holiday and its meaning. What's teaching high school in the city like? Sarah asked as the family walked back to the house after the service. Are the kids mean and unruly? Parker laughed and put his arm around her. No, they're just kids. Kids who want someone to care. So you like it? Yeah. Parker hoped the slight hesitation in his response didn't cause suspicion. What are you teaching? David asked. Well, history. Most people don't think of history as an important subject, but you can't know where you're going if you don't know where you came from. That's true for people, governments, and society. And little brothers. He punched David in the arm. They laughed. I'm not so little anymore, David quipped. I can probably take you now. Parker smiled and realized how much he had missed his brother and sister. Mrs. Madison and Sarah brought in trays of hot apple cider and Mrs. Madison's special cinnamon oatmeal cookies for everyone to munch on while exchanging gifts. How did everything go with the protest? Mrs. Madison asked her husband. Was there a good turnout? Ha! Not near like it should have been. But there were other churches represented there, right? Only a couple... Certainly not First Baptist. Davis has made it clear he thinks we're out of step with society. He threw the gift box still in his lap to the floor. We're not supposed to be in step with society, he exclaimed, his face reddening with anger. The man even called me a Pharisee, David chimed in. I don't get it. 
Don't people realize what's happening, that this country is falling apart? They're deceived, son, Reverend Madison replied. The Bible tells us it will happen. They're all slowly being given over to a reprobate mind. What are we supposed to do, David asked. The next thing you know, the post office will refuse to deliver Christmas cards. We keep doing what we're doing. We make as much noise as possible and keep our beliefs in front of Congress and boycott, boycott, boycott. The almighty dollar speaks volumes to them. He shook his finger in the air to accentuate his point. You're being awfully quiet, Parker, Reverend Madison sneered. Did that college destroy all your values? No, Parker shot back. Of course not. He hesitated before continuing. I'm just not sure your approach is the most effective one. <laughs> and just what do you suggest that we be tolerant of everyone's feelings and beliefs? His tone was cynical and mocking. Mrs. Madison decided to create a diversion by slipping onto the stool of the old upright piano in the corner of the room. I think we need to get back to celebrating Christmas. She began to play and sing, Oh, Come All Ye Faithful. Sarah quickly joined in, followed reluctantly by the others. The exhausting journey calmed the stressful evening enough for Parker to get a decent night's sleep, but the next morning he lingered in his room pondering what conflicts with his father awaited him. Eventually, he dressed and joined the family for Christmas lunch. Reverend Madison spouted off a long, enthusiastic prayer about the meaning of the day and asked for deliverance from the deceptiveness of society. Once he completed his narrative, everyone eagerly passed around the dishes of longtime family favorites, macaroni and cheese, sweet potato casserole, green bean casserole, English peas, rolls, a glazed ham, the rest of which Mrs. Madison would serve with black-eyed peas and cornbread on New Year's Day. "'Thought you might have shaved this morning, Parker,' Reverend Madison remarked. "'Do you need a razor?' Parker rubbed his lightly stubbled cheeks. He had let his sideburns grow long after graduation and kept a well-groomed five o'clock shadow over the rest of his jawline. "'No, sir, I have a razor. This is how I look now.' Reverend Madison had always insisted his sons be clean-cut and shaven. He stared at Parker for a moment, then simply replied, "'Huh!' He turned his attention back to his plate and shoveled in a mouthful of mac and cheese. I thought we could take some things to the nursing home next week, Mrs. Madison said in an attempt to intervene before another rift of heated conversation broke out. Parker, they usually have some things that need fixing I'm sure you could help with. I, um, I need to leave after church Sunday. So soon? She and Sarah began serving the desserts of sweet potato cobbler and red velvet cake, Surely you don't have to go to work until after New Year's. Well, actually, um, Uncle Henry asked me to visit. A hush swept through the room. Why would you go there? His father snapped, his face turning red. A familiar feeling of defensiveness swelled in Parker. The struggle of balancing independence with honoring his parents because he asked me. I haven't seen him in years. He contacted me out of the blue, and I'm curious. He wants something then, Reverend Madison said, as he accepted a huge slice of cake from his wife. People only contact you out of the blue when they want something. He shoved a forkful in his mouth. 
What did he ever do to make you disapprove of him, of them, so much? His father dropped his utensil-wielding hands to the table. They are ungodly thieves, and you are not to associate with them. Parker's mother shifted uncomfortably in her chair. I think I have a right to make up my own mind about who I associate with, Parker replied. I am a minister of God, and Henry is some kind of Christian science heretic. I will not have my family's name and reputation sold with that. Parker got up from the table and headed to his room. If you align yourself with them, don't come running back here for help when Satan crushes you. Reverend Madison shouted after Parker. Parker felt he was being dubbed the prodigal son minus the loving father welcoming him home. Parker grabbed a book on the nightstand of his bed and tried to focus his thoughts elsewhere. Why had he thought coming home would be a good idea? Or at least, why had he mentioned visiting his aunt and uncle? Colonel Henry Archer spoke with a gruff, sometimes indiscernible growl into an old flip phone. His dismissal from the school is official and final. The superintendent was quite agreeable. My donation no doubt helped. He's due to arrive on the 29th. You have your instructions? Good. Just be yourself. It's a small town. You're bound to bump into each other, but if it takes too long, you'll have to manufacture the event. He closed the phone and slipped it into his pants pocket. He paced back and forth behind the desk in his study while stroking his bushy gray mustache with the tip of his favorite pipe, a Briarwood Sherlock Holmes style with a nine-carat gold band wrapped between the stem and chamber. He had gone to a lot of effort to secure his nephew's visit. Now he had to make sure that visit became permanent. He stared blankly in front of him and began to draw numbers and shapes in the air. A new calculation was forming in his head. So is Reverend Madison right about Henry? This chapter contains real-life influences. The street Parker's family lives on is in my hometown, and Sweet Potato Cobbler is one of my favorites. There'll be more personal influences in the next chapter when the Madisons go to church. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast so you'll know when each new episode drops. Until next time, I'm the author and your host, Angela Mullins.
Next week, we'll meet more of the Archer family, including Uncle Henry. I'm the author and your host, Angela Mullins. 